All right, everyone. Hello. Um, doing a special episode on Saturday today because basically we are in unprecedented and an unprecedented situation right now, and I just feel like I should at least try to keep you guys updated. Of course, please go and read the news um, from reputable sources that is coming out uh, as we go. Obviously, I can't cover absolutely everything, but I do feel like I should be putting at least something out there. So in the last sort of 12 hours or so, uh, we have here on the New York Times now, um, just to put it out there, the New York Times does have, they've made all their coronavirus coverage free on their website. So head over to the New York Times website, have a look, and you'll be able to get all that coverage for free. So basically in the last couple of hours, we've had Donald Trump uh, put the United States into a state of national emergency, um, saying, and effectively what this does is it gives states and territories access to $50 billion in federal funds to combat the spreading coronavirus epidemic. Um, this comes after the confirmed cases in the United States rose to 2,100, even with the sparse testing they've got, and the death toll has risen to at least 48. Um, now, all of the states apart from West Virginia and Montana have reported a case uh, as of Friday evening, um, but as that testing does roll out, we are ex expecting the cases in the US to rise even faster um, than they have been. Um, Donald Trump said he was waiving interest on student loans and that with oil prices low, the government is going to buy large quantities of crude oil for the nation's strategic reserve. Obviously, those are the big oil uh, tanks that were put together in the Nixon era um, in Texas and uh, Florida, I think. Uh, these big underground tanks which hold a ton of oil in case uh, oil supply globally gets cut off or there are massive oil price rises like we saw in the 1970s. Um, basically, we are seeing that everything is starting to get shut down. I'll talk about the relief package in just a moment, but if we have a look here on the map, we're seeing this is again the New York Times, um, and what we see here is that everything in yellow is confirmed cases, and everything in orange is where the CDC warns against non-essential travel. Um, and so we can see that basically Europe is now warning against non-essential travel. Um, now, obviously, this comes from the CDC. Um, this will it largely gets tied up in the politics of it. Obviously, there is a travel ban in the US on Europe right now. So that's why largely you're going to see this uh, this area here be uh, put on that list of non-essential travel bans effectively. But there are very, very high cases in obviously Spain, Italy, France, Germany. We're seeing thousands of cases. The community, trend, the community spread is accelerating there. Obviously, Iran has a devastating uh, spread 
Um, South Korea has a lot of cases and China, of course, has a lot of cases. Um, down here in Australia, we are climbing slowly from what I can see so far. Obviously, I'm no expert, but I don't think we have seen that crazy community spread where it's become untraceable just yet. We do have a few cases where we don't know where the people have got it, and that is obviously quite concerning. Um, but obviously, we're not seeing cases in the thousands like there are in other places around the world. Um, so you can see on the New York Times website, they do have this whole uh, uh, infographic here. Um, basically, you're seeing the new cases uh, across time. So from when this pandemic started to spread. Um, and you can see here in China, it's actually got much less. That is obviously due to those draconian uh, forced quarantines that happened there. You can see that Italy has actually started to uh, curb the spread now as they have clamped down on uh, effectively people movement and business. Iran has started to slow down a little bit. South Korea has started to slow down, um, but we're seeing it start to accelerate in the United States, Germany, France, and Spain. We're seeing that start to accelerate, and I expect that will get uh, much, much quicker as well. Um, so if I just quickly go down here, they do have a nice graph here as well, um, which shows that um, effectively we've got the current cases, the recovered cases in green, and the deaths are this orange strip in here. Now, what's kind of concerning is obviously we saw this we saw this dip and we were seeing this flattening of of the curve overall um, in total cases, uh, but obviously that is now starting to accelerate as it's spreading through. I think that's mostly due to the spread in Europe. Um, so we're seeing everything start to accelerate now. So current cases are starting to accelerate. Obviously this point here is about last weekend where we actually saw current cases start to decline. Um, but that is now starting to go up. Um, if we have a look, here's the, the map of the United States. Obviously, this is very concerning up here through New York um, and up into the capital. California is obviously, with the high population, we're seeing a, a big spread there. And up in Washington, of course, that's where the spread originally did start. Um, Asia... We're obviously seeing that start to get curbs in Asia. Obviously, China. this is mainland China here. Um, and we saw that, um, obviously, the, this big jump here was when China changed its diagnostic criteria. But then they did manage to curb those new cases. Um, and the rest of the world is obviously accelerating very quickly. Now, in terms of what we can expect economically, Frydenberg has called an emergency meeting with the RBA and different regulators today. Um, and I'm sure we will we'll hear what the, the response is going to be from there. Basically, we've had that very heavy selling through the week on uh, global stock markets. And obviously, we had that heavy selling here in Australia. Um, the worry now is that the financial system may become uh, under stress and maybe put at risk 
Um, obviously, yesterday, what we saw was that the RBA has expanded their repo funding markets. Um, obviously, that is to do with ensuring that there's liquidity in the system. Um, and part of that is to keep their interest rates low. They did cut their interest rates, of course, but part of this uh, now increasing repo funding, um, injecting liquidity into the markets, that's all going to assist with keeping uh, those rates low to keep the effects of those those rates flowing through the economy. Um, now, we do hear that Frydenberg will hold a phone hookup with members of the Council of Financial Regulators after US markets closed on Saturday morning. So I can assume that is happening right now as I'm speaking. It's currently 11.38. Frydenberg has also said that he has uh, explored the the question of whether short selling should be banned on the Australian markets. Obviously that happened during the GFC and that was mainly to protect the banks. Um, it doesn't look like that is going to happen uh, just yet. So on Thursday, obviously, the uh, Scott Morrison and Mr. Frydenberg announced the $17.6 billion stimulus package. I did do a video on that uh, on the channel, and um, it is an episode of the podcast as well. Um, now, on Friday, we saw some heavy selling um, on the ASX. The, we were down beyond 7%, but uh, after basically midday when we started hearing about some of the the measures that were going to be put in place to curb the virus, um, we did see a turnaround and there was about a 13% rally to bring us to close at 4.4%. Um, so Frydenberg has indicated that in the budget that will be announced on May 12th, there could be a further round of stimulus, um, but obviously this is a long way away. So there's plenty of time in between now and May 12th for more stimulus to be added. Um, obviously, there is a lot of work going on in the background. Um, Dr. Lowe addressed um, the Council of Australia Government's meeting, so that's COAG, on Friday. Um, and said that the uh, budget positions are going to get worse and they're going to have to get worse. Um, now, Frydenberg and the Council of Financial Regulators, which includes the RBA, ASIC, APRA and the Treasury, um, will obviously be meeting today. It is the second meeting in less than two weeks. Um, and so I think that that's going to be mostly... Uh, focused on keeping the financial system sound so that the selling that happens on the financial system is purely based on the business fundamentals and it doesn't become a financial crisis because obviously we have we don't want to be fighting this thing on two fronts where we have the health issue and then we also have the financial crisis to deal with obviously the gfc was extremely expensive and a lot of funds had to be poured into the financial markets to keep them ticking along and steady and then the recovery was extremely expensive we want to have those funds available to fight the virus itself um, and so i can imagine that's what uh, we're seeing here now in terms of the response um, 
social distancing is obviously going to come into effect uh, gradually. Um, as of Monday, gatherings of more than 500 people are going to be uh, discouraged. They're not necessarily going to be banned, but uh, like in terms of you're probably not going to get arrested if you do at this point. That certainly is something that could come in in the future. It's not taking place over the weekend. Now, what I think that is for is to try to generate some sort of predictability with the measures that are going to be taken. So I can imagine now, obviously, I don't know this for sure, but I can imagine we're going to get some sort of announcement each week on a Thursday or a Friday saying what the measures are going to be for the following week. Obviously, if things start to accelerate and get out of control, that will change but I think that right now what the government wants to do is keep people a little bit uh, sort of calm we want predictability of where things are going to go so that allows business planning that allows uh, events to be scheduled and planned and maybe scaled back if they need to be right now schools and universities are open obviously if things get bad I think we can pretty quickly see at least the universities start to close. The schools closing is a bigger issue because that does pull people out of the workforce. We obviously have to think about the fact that a large proportion of healthcare workers are going to be uh, pulled out of the workforce if they have to stay home and look after their children. Um, everything right now is about flattening the curve. Uh, really, the idea the whole idea of flattening the curve is that we're going to see the same amount of infections anyway, but it's trying to push those infections as far out as possible so that the healthcare system can uh, manage and deal with those infections. Obviously, uh, what we don't want to do is cripple the healthcare system by crippling business, crippling the supply chains that get uh, the critical supplies into those hospitals, and we don't want to be taking healthcare workers out of the hospitals to go and look after their children unnecessarily um, and so that's why I think right now schools aren't going to be closed but universities could very well be closed uh, in the coming weeks obviously I think we're for most universities they are go supposed to operate up until late May or June so I think that right now the the actions are going to be trying to get us through a normal period and then maybe close universities and schools from semester two. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, I do want to just point people towards a few resources. So we obviously have health.gov.au um, and on here you can get to the COVID-19 page. This gives us uh, a large number of um, like ba basically all the, all the official government data and it does tell you when it was last updated so this was updated at 10 a.m today um, so we do see that the WHO has announced that COVID-19 is a pandemic um, this tells you a little bit about the health packages and the the stimulus package um, and so we can see that as of uh, 6 30 this morning we had 197 confirmed cases here in Australia, including three deaths, um, 91 in New South Wales, one in the ACT, 
and those other numbers here. Now, there is obviously some uh, inclusion from the Diamond Princess um, and that um, the note that under the National Notifiable Disease Surveillance System, reporting requirements, cases are reported based on their Australian jurisdiction of residence rather than where they were detected. Um, so, for example, a case reported previously in the Northern Territory in a New South Wales residence is counted in the figures, national figures, as a New South Wales case. So this is important to sort of take into account that while it says that zero cases are in the Northern Territory, there are actually people there uh, with the virus, but they have their residence listed as New South Wales, and so it's getting counted in the New South Wales uh, number. So obviously included in that, obviously the New South Wales case number isn't actually as high, um, and this is obviously who we know has it. So further details, we have 15 of the initially reported cases in Australia all had a direct or indirect travel history to Wuhan, China. Um, 10 cases, including one death, are associated with the Diamond Princess cruise ship repatriation flight. 18 cases are reported to have had a direct or indirect travel link to Iran. 92 cases have a direct or indirect traveling to other countries and regions. Um, so these are people who are traveling, not necessarily to those high-risk areas. 32 cases, including two deaths, do not have a reported history of overseas travel. However, eight of these cases are associated with an aged care facility. Um, two cases are either directly or indirectly associated with attendance at a workshop. 22 cases are close contacts of known cases with further details pending. Uh, the likely place of exposure for a further 30 newly reported cases is under investigation. So it does look like it's accelerating. Obviously, that community transmission is happening here in Australia. Um, but obviously, we were sort of able to trace a large number of the cases um, and we know where they've come from. Now, where it says that they don't have a reported history of overseas travel, this means that they haven't traveled overseas, but it doesn't mean that they haven't come into contact with people who have traveled overseas. Um, so basically, you can get all of these resources here. Um, the other place I would point people towards is the Treasury website. Um, and here you can get information about the economic response um, and of course there is the New York Times reporting which is uh, worth going to have a look at. I think this is a slightly better, this website works slightly better at least than the Johns Hopkins one but there is this, if you go to coronavirus.jhu.edu slash map.html, um, okay it looks like it's currently under maintenance um, so I don't know if it's going to load, okay it is loading. Um, but it does say here that it's under maintenance, so I, I don't know what that, what that means. Um, they do say when it's updated here, service date updated at 11.33, so not so long ago. Um, I imagine it, it's, it's probably something on, on the back end, so you do get a map here of the cases. It looks like the Australia map has, has broken, so that's probably part of it. Um, I'll just have a look at the number of reported cases. 
Where is Australia? We should be up here somewhere. Okay, so it looks like some of these numbers are probably not totally accurate, but you can get sort of some large headline numbers. And I, I expect they will um, start to... Um, they're obviously doing some sort of fix in the background. So this is another resource center. Now, there are a couple of podcasts out. Be careful with podcasts. Um, everyone's going to start doing them. So be careful with them. Take everything with a grain of salt. Everyone's going to be presenting their own opinions. I'll just open up my uh, pocket cast here. I'll show you a couple of the ones that I have listened to. Um, so on Sam Harris's Making Sense, um, there are two recent podcasts that were released March 11th and March 12th. Um, the first one, How Should We Respond to Coronavirus, was with Nicholas Christakis, who has worked on several different uh, related areas. So that's the first one that he listened to, um, or that's the first podcast that Sam Harris did. And the second one is with Amish Adalja, um, who works specifically on uh, infectious disease. Um, and obviously there are um, differing opinions. There's, there's actually different opinions between these two episodes. So I think that it's worth having a listen to both of them because they're both experts. Um, they both speak in a very measured way. Um, but obviously they do have two different um, opinions on it. Now, in terms of obviously everybody is listening to uh, this Michael Osterholm episode of the Joe Rogan experience. Um, it is fa fairly alarmist, um, but worth listening to if you if you are looking for a different perspective. And then the Verge cast also had um, one COVID-19, how it spreads, how to test for it and its economic impact. Um, and that works with the Verge's health reporter Nicole Westman and Verge deputy editor Liz Lopardo. Um, they are obviously not experts, but it's worth having a listen to that as well. Um, so that's basically what I've got for today. Um, hopefully uh, you all stay safe. We are obviously going to see this uh, start to spread. Um, and I will try to keep everyone updated on on what's going on um, as we go through. So stay safe, everyone. Uh, thanks for watching or listening, depending on what you do. And I'll see you in the next one. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening to that episode of Australian Market Briefing. Just thought I'd let you know about the other podcast I do, which is called Business As Usual. I do it with my friend Matt Brewers from the Millennial Investor YouTube channel. And we get together every week and have a discussion about what is, what is going on in the markets in a bit of a longer form than I do on this podcast. And we also have some discussions about how we like to act on the information and news that happens. So be sure to check us out. You'll find it on any podcasting platform. Just search for business as usual. Our thumbnail is a little blue square and it has a city silhouette in the background. Thank you.